0: Welcome to the Distracted Driving Podcast. I'm Sean Genovese. This is episode 54 Shifting the Focus from Self to Other. I am again joined by my co host, Stephanie Van Ash, and our friend, Brian Leahy. Brian's expertise, if you didn't catch episodes 52 and 53, is leadership development. And so that is really the uh, center that our conversation orbits around, can we say? Uh, We also will have a little conversation about some of our favorite television shows growing up, so there'll be a little bit of, uh, well, I don't want to spoil it for you. Uh, You'll have to listen to find out what those were. But that's going to be part of our speed round at the end of our episode today. Uh, If you did not catch episode 53, it did end with a cliffhanger. I am going to give you the question or the prompt that Stephanie gives us at the end of 53, so you don't have to go back and listen to it, but you absolutely should if you haven't because it's a good one and a great conversation, as is the conversation you are about to hear with our friend Brian Leahy and episode 54, Shifting the Focus from Self to Other.
1: I wonder if we can pivot. Um, we kind of been dancing and touching a little bit on, you know, leaders. And I, I always love to think of like leaders of the future, you know. So I have a question for both of you. Like, what are some skills you think the leaders of the future need to have? And let's think about like the the immediate future, like the next rung of either, you know, company founders, the next round of frontline managers who you know, eventually will lead larger teams. What are some skills you think they need to really make it as those, you know, lowercase T leaders.
2: Ooh, that's a good curveball, Steph. Um, Sean, I'll throw a few ideas out there and then go for it. I, part of me wants to answer with a little bit of being a smartass, but not too much in that. I don't know that there are a whole lot of what I'll call new skills that good leaders of the future might need. I think sometimes leading still gets back to some of the basic stuff. Right. That we've been talking a little bit about here, but I know you all have been talking about previously, you know, the ability to sort of listen, to have empathy for people, right, to meet them where they are, to be comfortable and capable of giving sort of that ongoing coaching and feedback. That's more at a micro level. And Stephanie, then to your point at the higher level, I think it's, you know, having the ability to put a vision together, put a strategy together. And then use some of those people skills in support of, right, making that vision and that strategy come to life within a a group. Um, I know that's not a very sexy answer because I don't know that there's anything new in that package that I just threw out there. But I kind of go back to, I don't know that leadership has to look a whole lot different than good leadership has looked in the past. Um, but flexibility, by the way, is probably one of those things that's I think it's a volume adjustment. It's less that it's a new skill. It's more like we got to turn up the volume to an eight instead of a two on flexibility, given the craziness of the world that we live in. Um, as
0: you as you were talking, Brian, um, I was I was jotting down some of my ideas and, and see some overlap. And now as I'm looking at what I jotted down, maybe it's not a coincidence, they're the things that are on my, um, I have a, a leadership Venn diagram that I created for my, my class. And uh, first I'll tell you the things that I, I wrote down, Steph, in answer to your question. The first thing is you, you said company founders versus first line leaders. Those are two very different roles. Uh, and so I think there are some differences, but when I look at, well, what's, what, what would they have in common? Uh, you can't be a leader without followers. And how do you get followers? You need to know how to motivate people. Uh, and Rex, the other co-host of this Intrepid podcast, uh, Rex comes and speaks to my class uh, every semester and, about how to start a movement. And he shows the video, you guys have, I'm sure, seen it, of the one dude out by himself dancing, dancing. on the hillside at like yep. a concert event or whatever. And then one person joins him, and then five more people, and the next thing you know, he's got a movement going. And uh, and it's great. So you have to have followers, and, and that means you have to know how to motivate people. Uh, Brian, you said the small T. I think that's part of it. I think you do have to have, especially if you're leading... Um, any kind of of technical folks, you you need some technical skills. You you need some some amount of depth. You have to know a, a little bit about what you're what you're talking about. I could go lead software developers, um, but I'm not a software developer. But I know enough about what they do to be able to I think help them and and lead them. And then the last one is execution. And Brian, you, you touched on that too. Uh, the, the leaders, the good leaders have to be able to, to drive execution. And I think that comes back to accountability. And that is one of the big gaps that I see today is leaders and managers alike. Uh, they don't, they don't, focus on the accountability piece they say things they go into the meeting and they say grand things like we need to improve performance are you all with me yes we're with you and then everybody goes about their business and there's no accountability there's no specificity and nothing gets done and then everybody goes huh how come nothing got done
1: (laughs) i love both of your answers it, I guess the reason why I've, I've been thinking about it lately is um, I saw an article that was talking, and this is why I mentioned I through founders in there. I read an article recently that's talking about how um, you know founders were able to raise just a ton of money in the past couple of years for all their great ideas. You know, because they're, they're so enthusiastic about their big idea that's going to change the world, and now those founders have you know 50, 100, 200 people in their company that they raised. But they're starting to. It's very broad. They, but they <clears throat> are starting to run into leadership issues, because the ego that was able to raise, you know, two hundred million dollars and be inspirational, is now running into, you know, not listening well at work and uh, you know, just, you know, coming down like some toxic cultural traits and not able to like lead a whole organization in a productive and effective way. So that's why I was thinking about it. And sure, there could be different requirements for, uh, you know, someone who's trying to change something and disrupt an industry and found something new versus, you know, keeping something going on a daily basis.
0: That's almost a different question though. Um, and again, here's where we go back into the founder versus the first-line leader. You're right. That same uh, arrogance, drive, uh, whatever we call it, that starts the thing and gets the money in and gets the thing going becomes a liability as the company scales. Um, I may or may not have firsthand experience with that, <laughs> and and if they can't recognize that, if they don't have the right advisors or the right self awareness to be able to see that, and and then adjust, you know, check and adjust. Well, then those are the companies we never hear about.
2: Yeah, I I, I mean I could take this all the way back to Sesame Street and think about parenting, right? So if I as we should. Sure. I'll do everything I can. I mean, Stephanie got it going with sponsored by the letter T. So here we go. If I tried to push Sesame Street on my daughters at ages nine and 12 and 15 and 18, like I did when they were two and three, right, we would have had a revolution on our hands in this house. And so, Sean, kind of to your point, right, this idea that um, we've got to be able to shift how we're doing what we're doing and the way we're thinking about like the structure of this fill in the blank company family unit you name it um, it takes um, a lot of humility, it takes a lot of flexibility, and to your point, it takes a lot of help, and sometimes right as you both have pointed out, sometimes help isn't what people who think they have all the answers asks for easily uh, and that's that's a miss. Um, it's a miss, but it's an interesting debate, Stephanie, for sure. Like to watch how that's going to play out now as we move forward.
1: Let's talk more about parenting because we're all parents and, um, I mean, ever since becoming a parent, I have grown as a human immensely in patience and listening and empathy and paying attention, like what's going around me. The ego has really gotten squashed in a good way, (laughs) pulled, pulled in a little bit. Uh, and I just think about, I mean, Brian, you knew me when I was a younger human, you know, if I had been made a manager back then, like I would have run a little bit of damage on my team just because I was so excited, you know, and I really wanted to gung ho let's do it. Um, and I wasn't as good as the listener as I was then, than I am now. So, I mean, I just say that to like throw out a statement, like let's make more parents managers because heck like they would do a stellar job like just over like a little bit a niche over like you know any old person
2: (laughs) i see sean's thinking hard on that one can i just can i add a little something into that stuff so i think
1: Please. please oh yeah
2: yeah before sean blows up at that one um i go back to when we talk about leadership generally and i forgot to mention this when you asked about qualities for me the first leadership quality that matters the most is an other orientation versus a self-orientation. And Stephanie, you're calling this out in your parenthood journey example, right? Because when you don't have the responsibility for anyone else in your life but yourself, that's where you focus. When all of a sudden you have responsibility for others besides yourself, not everybody goes this route, but a lot of people go the route of shifting the focus from self to other. And and I want to always start, People leaders with an assessment to figure out: Are you other-oriented or self-oriented? Because if you're self-oriented, I'd almost rather keep you as an individual contributor. But if you're other-oriented, now we can work with that a little bit. Um, So, Steph, I think I appreciate your example because that is kind of that shift, right? From my world is all about me to now my world has nothing to do with me. It's about this fill-in-the-blank, right? This little boy, this little girl, heck, this (laughs) animal—you just a bystander in the world. (laughs) all ah, right, uh, it's different. you it said does... it so
1: much more eloquently yeah that that's exactly right
0: well my my uh i hopefully people are watching, not listening my my facial anguish uh <laughs> was in reference Steph, to your uh your assertion that well let's just make all parents leaders.
2: I knew that was it. <laughs> I had a feeling. <laughs>
0: And I had some immediate visions of some very particular people. Um, and I thought, no, no, let's, let's not maybe go that far. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Is it let's make the good uh, parents managers?
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe, there you maybe. Go. I, I think we need, yeah, we need some qualifiers on that. <laughs> uh, I I think though, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say what Brian said maybe a little bit differently. I, I think it's, um, perhaps a, an advancement in one's emotional intelligence and one's awareness of their their position in time and space that becoming, I think becoming a parent perhaps improves that or or has the potential to help somebody improve that. And maybe that's why there could be a correlation between parents and being better leaders. I was thinking about my own journey as you were asking the question Steph and I I told you how I I've been going back and looking at some old uh, emails and journal entries and whatnot from the days past as I'm looking for new content to write about and I found some I, I found some chat transcripts where I was like man I was kind of a dick <laughs> uh, Now in the context of what was happening at the time, you know, maybe maybe that was even warranted or, or required or appropriate. Um, but the reality is, yeah, okay, I, I maybe was... I, I definitely was not 100% solution-oriented. And I the, the me now, looking back at that, would say, I probably would have done that differently. Now, is that because I, I'm now a parent and I wasn't then? Maybe. I think it's also because I've had... I've had more experience having to wrangle and manage and lead people and seeing how that works well and how it doesn't work well.
1: Experience is the best teacher.
0: Yes. And, and parenting certainly counts as, as experience, but I don't know that it's, I'm not ready to say that's exclusively,
2: all right, all parents can be leaders now. (laughs) Sean, can I ask just to drill down on, on what you're just describing and kind of your own journey? I'm also curious because Um, there's a tried and true exercise that I love to do in workshops, right? You call it the best leader or whatever you want to call it, where you get people to step back and think about in their life, who were their best leaders and what their qualities were. I think sometimes as younger, say newer leaders in the space of managing people, if we don't have good examples to help us and to hold us accountable to those behaviors, then I think it's even more challenging because as we know now, Right. It's probably 50-50 whether somebody who is a people manager is good at it or not. And if we get we get caught in those environments where our people leaders are not, you know, kind of focused in on the right things, it's very easy for us then to just sort of run amok and kind of do what we think makes sense, given what we're seeing. And so I also think sometimes, you know, the ability to step back and hopefully recognize somewhere in your company those people who are good leaders um, can be helpful.
1: Yeah, it's it's just human nature, right? Let's say you're immersed in a team or a culture where you have bad examples or neutral examples. You know, let's stay on the the badder side of the spectrum here. It's almost like it's so hard to resist that you might, you know, start being snippy or short with people. Just it's almost human nature to soak in what you're immersed in and just serve it back. And, um, you know, I've been in cases where that, you know, eventually you're like, oh, I need that. This is bad. That's not me. That's not who I want to be. And you're like, I got a GTFO. (laughs) Which,
0: which is why, um, W two separation for me, uh, while, while traumatic at first, I think was a good, it was a good cleanse for me. It was a good, it was a good opportunity to, to kind of realize, wow. I've been in some toxic environments, and and maybe have succumbed to some of what you're talking about, Stephanie, and and I've given I've shared that same kind of feedback with unfortunately some other people that I, I know that have reached out to me recently, um, that that have experienced W two separation, uh, and and been laid off, but it's I think the larger the larger an organization gets, uh, the more danger there is for that toxicity to exist. And then it becomes very easy to stop assuming positive intent. And, and that was, that was transformative for me when I was able to catch myself and go, okay, hold on a second. Yeah, this is effed up. I don't know why this person did this, but what if they were trying to do the right thing and just got it wrong? Yeah. And then it changed how I would approach it. Yeah. That's hard to do when you're, when you're immersed in that.
2: I'm going to throw out a nugget and a challenge to the three of us, as well as whoever ends up watching this Sesame Street sponsored podcast. Well over four people. Okay, cool. All right. So when, because this comes up a lot and you use the phrase, right, Sean, like sometimes you set rules of the road as a team or in a program. And we always, almost always get, hey, you know, assume positive intent. I'm all for that. And what I like to do then is challenge and add to that, consider your impact. So it's not just about like my ability to assume that Stephanie's trying to do the right thing. Stephanie has some accountability to think about, geez, if I say that, what's my impact? So I love assume positive intent. And then we always go, and speaker, consider your impact, please, because it's, right? It's kind of like burnout. And I know you all probably have talked about this. I can't tell you how tired I get of all of the studies and all of the books and all of the advice that people get about how to personally manage burnout when a company has just as much responsibility to help workers manage burnout as an individual does. So it's it's a really fascinating thing. Sorry, I'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole, but when you said that I'm like, "Ooh, and we got to, you know, consider our impact because I think sometimes that gets overlooked." Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think you're absolutely on. I mean, everyone has the responsibility for the energy that they put out into the world. And how great would it be if more people showed up to work with that mindset and asked for what they needed and just, you know, we're just conscious of their space that I want to work there, you know, you know, find me that company.
2: Yeah.
0: We, we did a, uh, a very um, simple exercise in class last night that I, I think maybe helps illustrate that uh, that point, Brian. Um, I had uh, I had everybody give a presentation where they introduced themselves. And I told the class, okay, you, you need to turn in to me uh, for three of the speakers constructive feedback. So they did. And then in the following class session, I didn't tell them we were going to do this, but I, I gave them... Uh, I gave them some tips on, on constructive feedback, and then one by one, I said, okay, first person, come up here, pick one of the three, and we brought them up. I said, okay, read exactly what you wrote, and, and so then we looked at the person who was receiving the feedback, and I said, okay, do you know what to do? <laughs> they'd go, some of them were being nice, and they're like, oh, yeah, I got it. I'm like, really? So you were just told, great job. So you know what you should keep doing and what you should stop doing. And well, no, not really. But but that's really what I was trying to, to get them to understand is that, okay, you're going to provide feedback. You're you're in a leadership class. You want to be a leader or a manager. You're going to provide feedback. You're going to put something into the universe. How is it going to be received? If somebody came to you and said, well, it could have been better, do you know what to do? And they go, no, I, I don't. Yeah. Okay. Well, then class dismissed. <laughs> <laughs> did anybody do it well, by the way? Yes. Actually, I was kind of impressed. Um, generally speaking, the the constructive feedback did lean on the more constructive side. But but where the gaps were, it was in a lack of specificity and a lack of um, something that was actionable. Yeah. So I, I got a lot of people who said, you know, oh, I I, I thought you had too many words your presentation had too many words. And then when I said, okay, in general, they go, well, no, it was on slide two.
2: That was great detail to include, right? Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting.
1: Your classes are always hilarious. Um, I love visiting with them.
2: <clears throat> yeah.
0: Well, you're Where's on the, the calendar. I don't remember what day. We'll Wait, you put me on the calendar?
1: for <laughs> letting me know. where should we end i feel like maybe maybe we should do some like quick fire questions to to end our chat here today i'll go first yeah speed round uh favorite sesame street character go
2: ernie cookie monster
1: i like the grouch
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh that's fantastic I love that. That's
0: fantastic. Coming from the person who just said, you really are responsible for the energy you
2: put out into the world.
1: Oh, my inner grouch is just a happy little character.
2: Well, let me, let me, let me, go. Okay, one, sh- let me go. one. <laughs> let me ask one real quick, if you don't mind. Then what's oh, yeah. your what's favorite show when you were a kid, right? So obviously I've sort of stated my claim, but for both of you, what was your best? What was your go-to? Mm-hmm.
1: I was into the Batman. Yeah, right. that was like my jam. I love the action pack, the go get them, the save the day. There you go. That was good.
0: I really enjoyed, uh, there's two that come to mind, uh, Chips and Emergency. Oh,
2: yes. Ah, We are so of the same vintage, Sean. I love it. Um, Meanwhile. Steph's like, I saw yeah. the Chips movie in 2018 or whatever it was. Do you mean like, Chips
1: and Salsa?
2: Yeah, she's like, yeah, Chips sound good. It's after, it's almost dinner time. Do you know, uh, yep. do you, well, so let me ask you something, Steph. Do you know who Chris Pine is? You know Chris Pine? Do you know him?
1: I know, like the, the current guy, Chris yeah. Pine? Like, yeah. Like all the, yeah, okay, yeah. him.
2: So he's, there's a, there's a degree of separation. His dad was actually in Chips. So
1: believe oh. it or not, right, a
2: little trivia there. Sergeant cool. Gautier. That is correct. That is correct.
1: I'll have to dig it up.
2: You will. And,
0: and hold on a second. Wait Uh-oh. a minute. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. The Star Trek Degrees of Separation continue. You know who else was in Chips? Lieutenant Commander Worf, Michael Dorn, was, uh, what was his a character's name? Oh, now, I can't remember. But he, yeah, he I know who you're was, talking about. He was a uh, a highway patrolman in
2: Chips.
1: <laughs> oh, that is some is, deep trivia.
2: This is spiraling out of control quickly. This is how we're going to get the viewership up from four to six.
1: Chips. All right, Sean, you have the last quick fire question.
0: Oh shoot! I have to ask a, a quick fire question. Okay, maybe you're not ready. It's okay. <laughs> What's the uh, uh, sure? Okay. Uh, what is the best? Well, I don't know if I can ask, ask that one. Um, what, what was the... Name one attribute, if you can do it in one word, try to do it in one word. Best attribute of your best manager ever.
2: Care.
1: You know what? That's like really close to mine. I was going to say like she always believed in me she was like always on my team yeah
0: uh i was i was trying to distill it down to one word myself and compassionate kept kind of
2: swirling about Yeah,
1: compassionate
2: yeah Uh, wow
1: three for three ding ding ding
2: and none of that's taught in business school for leaders (laughs) Uh,
1: that's no
0: no but it it is covered in Sean's Leadership I love of Engineering it. Professionals course and in Lead Out Loud Workshops, which is a sponsor of this podcast, lolworkshop.com.
1: We've got workshops they're the end of the year.
0: Listen, that's probably a great place to, uh, to park our police motorcycles.